Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast Around the Rim. I'm your host, LaChina Robinson, joined as always by my fantastic and fabulous producer, the Tarika Foster Brasby. And uh, yeah, it is that time of year. The WNBA push towards the playoffs is in full effect. Great basketball happening all around the league as teams look to either secure their position in the top eight or wake up to the reality that their season is getting ready to be over in a couple of weeks. Now, with that being said, today's show, we are going to talk about the red hot, hot, hot Phoenix Mercury, who has now won seven in a row. You heard that seven um, in a row which is actually second in the WNBA to Tarika's favorite team, who we will also touch upon in this episode. That is the Connecticut Sun, having won nine straight. But uh, to open the show, I am going to do my always anticipated clipboard to discuss five things around the league that um, are standing out to me right now at this point. Now, I've never done it in this style before. So this is like breaking news for podcast listeners. But this week's five clipboard notes are actually players. So let's jump into it. Sending just some shout outs, some love to some major performances across the league and performers who are really making their mark at the right time, starting with And then we will talk about her a lot more uh, in this show when we have our Cindy Brunson will be joining us because she knows all things Phoenix Mercury. Um, But we will talk about one Skylar Diggins-Smith, who is not only is she the Western Conference Player of the Week, averaging 27 points, six assists, three steals, leading Phoenix to a 2-0 record. She has four straight 20-point performance and is on fire from three-point range. Now, there's a lot of discussion around what in the world is happening with Skylar Jacobs-Smith. She has always been an incredible individual performer, and I don't think we give her enough credit for that. Has she made her mark in the WNBA playoffs, in the championship round? No, but that's what she is set to do. And by the looks of these numbers, she has Phoenix on track to really be playing their best basketball at the right time. So... She's number one on the list. Adding to that, John Paul Jones for the Connecticut Sun, Eastern Conference Player of the Month, averaging 19 points, 11 rebounds, and one block. Now, again, Connecticut has won uh, nine games in a row, and I love this team, Tarika, and this is where we can talk a little bit about Connecticut because you do some work for the organization and you live in Connecticut. This is your favorite team, but... There's something special about what Kurt Miller has done. Congratulations to Kurt for WNBA uh, Coach of the Month. But the thing that stands out to me about this team, number one, I don't know that we've ever had a first-place team in this league going into the playoffs that does not have a current or former MVP on the roster. So that stands out to me. Now, John Cole Jones is very close to winning an MVP award, and I believe that when Brianna Stewart won her, for, won her MVP award, It was on the brink of Seattle then winning a championship. But it's interesting to look back at the history of this league and figure out how many teams have finished number one or maybe are the favorites and don't have a current MVP on the roster. But this team to me plays like a college team. Um, They are not about the individuals. They are not about the individual accolades, though they've had plenty of performances that we can point out and will continue to do so. 
But their defense, their tenacity, their intensity, the way they just kind of play on the string, the way they follow the scouting report or defensively, like this is, it reminds me of a college team. And that's what I remember saying about the Golden State Warriors for many years. It's, it's a system, right? It's not ISO basketball that we're used to seeing in pro. It is a well-oiled machine. But Tarika, you know Connecticut Sun much better than I do. Give us the scoop. Yeah, before I give my thoughts, I want to play this really quick clip that I took from the game on Saturday. This is from the presser after Connecticut defeated L.A. And I just think that's something Kurt Miller says here just kind of sums up a lot about this Connecticut team. So take a quick listen. If you went into that locker room right now, um, they want to be better. They want us to handle the physicality. They want us to execute better. Um, they're, they're not satisfied. Um, they want to be better. And it's so great to have peer accountability in that locker room to hear that leadership that um, there's an expectation to be better. And it's going to get harder. We now go on the road for four games. Um, and we know what the playoffs eventually we're going to be like. So I love the mentality that it doesn't matter that they won tonight. They want to be better because they have some dreams and goals for this franchise for the first time. Again, that was Kurt Miller after the win on Saturday against the LA Sparks. And they want to be better. Peer accountability. Like those are the things that drive this team. They don't care that they're on a nine game win streak. Like they don't care about the success that they found because ultimately the goal is to win a championship and they are continuing to remain hungry. And I think that's what's driving this team. It's what I love about the most. You mentioned individuality and that they play with the selflessness of a college team and you nailed it because they do. They have the leadership. They have the, you know, the, the players on the team who understand what it's like to win a championship in Breon January and in Dewana Barnard. But they also you know, have the players who are hungry for that feeling. The players, you know, like a John Quill Jones who, you know, she feels some type of way that her name isn't leading the MVP conversation. Yes, there's still conversations surrounding Brianna Stewart. There's still conversations surrounding um, Asia Wilson. The fact that John Quill Jones hasn't locked that down, you know, she won't say it publicly, but absolutely, it's still something that sits on her mind. This team has a defensive identity that they recognize and they embrace it. And you can see it every single time they step out on that court, regardless of who the opponent is. And they're going to continue with that mindset and they're going to continue to play hungry. They're going to continue to hold each other accountable. So when you talk about this team reminding you of a college team, that's what it is. It's that hunger and it's that drive. Every team enters the, the the college basketball season wanting to be in the field of 64 and they continue that hunger in order to get there. Well, Connecticut is no different. They've seen the WNBA finals and they didn't quite make it happen. They were in the semifinals last season in the bubble and didn't quite make it happen against Las Vegas. They weren't able to progress. This year, they've got the right pieces. They've got the right mentality. They're ready to do what is necessary in order to get to the next level. And I believe that hunger is what's going to take them there. So here's the thing. 
there are some players that are starting to um, fall a little bit outside of that MVP conversation for various reasons, right? Like Tina Charles is injured. How much longer of the regular season is she going to miss? John Cole Jones did miss some time due to Euro basket. And I think that was where there was some momentum lost around her name in this. Um, Asia Wilson is starting to play her best basketball at the right time. It's hard with Vegas, just like it used to be hard with Minnesota because they have so many really good players sometimes to, to separate, right? Um, I think Liz Cambage now having COVID, we send our prayers to her, will open the door for Asia Wilson to strengthen her name in the conversation if she can carry Vegas um, you know, through the end of the season, season, a favorable position. Seattle's decline as of recent is probably not great for Brianna Stewart um, as far as her name in that regard. Um, and then, you know, Phoenix is another team, much like Vegas, that because they have such strong contenders in multiple positions, I think Brittany Griner is definitely the name that stands out to me for them. But the way Skylar Diggins Smith is playing, you know, sometimes those votes can be split for various teams, but I think it's clear for the Connecticut Sun, you know, who their MVP is. Dewana Bonner's had a great season. You know, there's been, I mean, that team's leadership, and you mentioned this, I mean, Breon January, which I wish people would stop calling her Breon. It is, it is, right. the, it is, it is the of my, I cannot take it. Like she's been in the league, what, 12 years now? I'm probably exaggerating. Breon January is one of the best leaders you could ever ask for on a team, the most selfless on both ends of the floor, but in particular on the defensive end, she really sets the tone. Then you have Jasmine Thomas, who's established mm-hmm. herself as one of the great leaders um, in, in the league. Like the leadership on this team is so solid. The championship pedigree with Dewana Bonner and with Breon January, you know, bringing their experiences is important. And then Brianna Jones, who is, Next on my list, um, Brianna Jones is the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, averaging 18 points, 10 rebounds, two assists. Like, the most improved conversation is really about to be over. It, it is over. <laughs> it is over. She literally walks into every game with the mindset of, y'all are going to focus your attention on John Quill. Y'all are going to focus y'all attention on DB. Let me go down here in this paint and just eat. And that's what she does. Yeah. I mean, she's just and the physical transformation. I mentioned this on Twitter. When you go back and you look at Brianna Jones in Maryland and you look at her now, there's been an intentional effort on her part to get the type of physique that's going to allow her to play longer minutes, to be stronger in the post. I just can't say enough about, I mean, she's one of the most likable players in this league, but it also her work ethic, getting her to this point and how she stuck it out. Because let's be honest, Connecticut has rotated several bigs through the rotation that, oh, maybe better than Brianna Jones or maybe the next thing. And she has just been steady. And keeping in mind before we completely end this conversation on Connecticut, that they're still missing Alyssa Thomas. Like that is wild to me how good they can be. Okay. So my last two notes on my clipboard are for Sylvia Fowles, who's the Western conference player that must be of the month, 19 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks, leaves the WNBA field goals, had a 29 and 20 rebound game against Seattle, where she had four steals in addition to all of that. Still is not done. Like I know that, 
people just look at the number of years athletes have been playing and they're like, oh, she's probably finishing up. Oh, how much longer will she play? Listen, I've spent time with Sylvia in Miami. She works incredibly hard on her body, on staying in shape, on her agility, on her mobility, on her strength. Like she may be one of the most well-conditioned athletes over the age of 35 in this league, Um, in the history of this league. Let me make that clear. So the way she has been just dominating, and it's been at a time where everyone else is still finding their way. I know Nafisa Collier is pushing her way through a plantar fasciitis injury. Um, You know, they've got some other things, you know, still working through, though very good performances across the board. Um, You know, Powers is still trying to find her way back. It's just great to see Sylvia Fowles really excelling. And last but not least, Natasha Cloud. I just got to send her just a, a little snippet of love. Because the Washington Mystics are in a dark place. Emma's not coming back. Tina's injured. Elena Deladon is not been playing as of recent. We knew that that was a possibility with the sensitivities of a back injury. And with their back against the wall, Sasha Cloud put up 21 points in the second half against Dallas. And the Mystics were down 18 points at one point um in that game but she just showed what she's capable of and if you've watched Natasha Cloud's career she is often the most unselfish she wants to get teammates involved her assist numbers are up this year overall but she has the ability to score the ball and when she's hitting from three which is where she's put in the most work in her career to become a respectable three-point shooter at the point guard spot that's when she's at her best and I just know what kind of Philly fight she has. So to me, when I, you know, that performance just spoke more about who she is as a competitor um, than anything. So shout out to Cloud who put the team on her back. Tariqa, anything else stand out to you and what's happening over the last couple of weeks? No, you know, like there are some things that have stood out, but a lot of them surround the conversation that we're going to have with Cindy. So I can't wait to bring her in and, and have you to kind of delve in mainly because I've got question about this Olympic fatigue. There are so many people who've been talking about the Seattle storm and how they look to be uh, going through some Olympic fatigue. But I look at Phoenix and I say to myself, they've got three Olympians on that team and they're hot. I know that Cindy's going to have some thoughts on that. Well, with that, let's bring in Cindy Brunson. All right, WNBA fans. So um, we are going to welcome in one of our favorites on Around the Rim. And I was going to say our favorite guest, but she's also been our favorite host. So we could give her a number of uh, titles as she makes her return to our show. But um, I don't know anyone that's more supportive of the WNBA on Twitter and in, on other platforms and who is just so dialed in to women's basketball, the way that Cindy Brunson is. And we know her as play by play extraordinaire, but you also remember her from her days at ESPN working sports center. Um, you know, she's just anything you can think of in, in sports. She's done it all, but I love the way she's just jumped two feet in to women's basketball and is also just very opinionated. I like that title, WNBA opinionator for Cindy Brunson. So welcome Cindy back into the show. How are you doing today? 
I'm fantastic. Not as good as Skylar Diggins' dominance during this seven-game win streak for the Mercury, but I'm getting there. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Uh, and for the record, because um, she did put this on the ESPN broadcast, Skylar Diggins-Smith, okay? Um, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> she definitely was like, um, my husband is watching this. I need that Smith to be on the end of it. So shout out to Daniel, who I know is is very helpful at home with their son. And um, yeah, so let's jump into the Merc. For those that don't know, Cindy lives in Arizona. Now, what part of Arizona do you live in, Cindy? I'm in Phoenix, which okay. means I am, yeah, 17 minutes away from the Footprint Center where the Mercury play. And I'm a season ticket holder, so I'm front row center. As much as I can be. And uh, this team is so fun. And in the second half, post-Olympic break, has taken advantage of every opportunity to flex. Period. Well, and there's been a lot of, I'll be, I'm not even going to say there's been a lot of questions out here. I've had a lot of questions around this Phoenix Mercury team, um, you know, to start the season. It was like, okay, now Diana's hurt. Like, that's always an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Like whenever you don't have the arguably the best player to ever play on the floor, there's questions. So her in and out of the lineup was a concern early. Thank goodness she's back now. She's actually shooting a season low from the, excuse me, a career low from the field this year. But mm-hmm. anytime you have Diana on the floor, you're a better team. But then there was like, okay, what is going on with this supporting cast? I will start with who I think the MVP of the supporting cast has been Breonna Turner, but we will get into, you know, everyone outside of the big three and, and the role they've played. So that was a concern for me for a while was can the big three get enough support? Um, mm. What have you seen as maybe the, maybe one surprising factor of what we expected from the Mercury versus what we're getting right now? I think you hit the nail on the head with Brianna Turner. She is averaging career highs and scoring nearly eight a game and in rebounds nearly 10 a game. And she needs to be at the top of folks defensive player of the year award consideration. She just held Candace Parker to a career low two points, both from the free throw line. And Turner currently ranks fourth in the league in field goal shooting percentage at nearly 57%. When she gets opportunities out around the rim, she maximizes her chances and she just doesn't waste her offensive opportunities. The rebounding has been huge. The only thing that has dropped off block-wise from a season ago to this year is about a half a block a game. But she's still north of a block a game, and she is the perfect weak side defender as Brittany Griner protects the rim. Turner is there to wreak havoc. And Turner also gets the toughest defensive assignment. It used to be a role belonged to Dewana Bonner before she left the team. And now it's Turner, Turner on Asia Wilson, Turner on Candace Parker, Turner on Elena Deladon. She gets these elite assignments and holds her own and gives her chance to team to win. Yeah, I mean, for many years, we've talked about the four position, right? And how strong Mm -hmm. 
four spot is in our league, whether you're talking Brianna Stewart or Asia Wilson or Candace Parker, it's like, Mm -hmm. if you want to compete in the WNBA, you really have to have a a great power forward. And And it's often the position in the league that most coaches run their offense through. We're talking about Elena Deladon, you know, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have someone on your team like Brianna Turner, who can night after night, take that player out of rhythm, yes. Gune, whoever your power forward is, it's huge, right? Um, yes. to, t- to take them out of the mix, take them out of the rhythm. She as and, she, and, and it's very, well known that I voted for her last season for my defensive player of the year. And everyone thought I was crazy. And I'm like, you have to watch what she does. She's also able to switch on to smaller guards. I saw her do it against Courtney Williams in Atlanta mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. defend jump shooters on the perimeter and contain guards off of the bounce. She's so special in her defensive skill set. And when she is, to your point, shooting the ball at a high percentage, whether that's just finishing at the rim, I feel like she and Brittany Griner have a better chemistry in the high-low game. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just starting to scratch the surface for what she can do. But I think we, as always in the basketball world, we get lost in who's scoring the more points, who's you know hitting threes, who's doing all of those things, which <laughs> Scott Diggins-Smith deserves mm-hmm. all the respect for that. But quietly, Brianna Turner is definitely doing her part. Now, when you think about Skylar, and I know Tarika has a question, so we're going to get to her in a sec. When you think about Skylar, mm-hmm. people are, you know, I, I feel like Skylar is always a fierce competitor, but people are saying there's a little bit more of an edge to her, maybe because of the lack of playing time in the Olympics. How do you see that playing into this at all as far as her motivation? Or are you just seeing something else from Skylar right now? She has elevated her play since Tokyo. I have never seen her play with the incredible ferocity that she brings to the floor on both ends of the floor. This is offense and defense. She literally steps on the floor with this vibe. You don't want this smoke. And I'm going to show you why for the next 40 minutes. It's been spectacular. Her confidence is through the roof and her want to win. When you're in the arena, you can see it drip out of every pore of her being. And it is so cool to see. And she wants everybody involved. If the great shot for her isn't there, she's willing to make the assist. Over the last four games of the win streak, she's averaging better than 20 points better than five dimes, you can't ask for more out of a point guard than what Skylar Diggins-Smith is delivering. Yeah, no, and I agree with you on the defensive end. That's where she's been most impressive to me because there were some moments last year in the bubble where I was like, Skylar's defense is not good. And she's worked on that and has definitely become better. T, what, what did you, what were you thinking around the Mercury? Yeah, I just think it's an interesting perspective that 
you know, you mentioned Skylar's play since the Olympic break and the Olympic break in itself has really brought about a lot of conversation for a lot of teams in this league. You look at the Seattle storm who literally when they came out of the break, they were first in the league. They had a great showing in the commissioner's cup. And then seven games later, you know, they're, they've dropped to third in the standing. They've gone through a little bit of a slump and now there are questions surrounding Olympic fatigue. But then you look at this Phoenix Mercury team who seven game win streak, Skylar's playing phenomenal. People are stepping up. I mean, we even got a, a game on a Kia nurse a, co- a couple of yeah. days ago who we haven't seen much from her this season at all. And granted, she wasn't, you know, in the Olympics playing for Team USA. But the point of it is, is that this team is seeming to surge and, and at the right time. And so, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, how much does Olympic fatigue really play into what these players are having to endure moving into the postseason when it seems to work for one team, but maybe not so much for another? It's incredible. You mentioned Kia Nurse. She's been fantastic. She started to warm up pre-Olympic break. She had that game where she hit the seven triples. And in this last win against Chicago, came through with four big three-pointers. In fact, the three ball is really going to determine the amount of success that Phoenix is going to have the rest of the way. They hit 14 long-range shots against Chicago compared to just six of 20 shooting from this guy who we know can fill it up from beyond the arc, Mm -hmm. but the perimeter defense fueled the offense for the Mercury. And I expect that to continue. The storm are going in the opposite direction. Their shooting percentages have cratered way below the pre-Olympic break numbers and the storm are losing those games now that they were winning in the first half, those close games where it came down to a couple final possessions. All of a sudden, that pendulum is swinging against the storm. Now, there might be Olympic fatigue related to that with the big three and Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird, but they also have the muscle memory to get it right. So I don't think it's time to put a fork in the storm just quite yet, but I love the teams that are playing with confidence and surge and that's Connecticut and it is Phoenix hands down. You bring up some interesting points, Cindy. And, um, you know, first of all, let me say Tarika to your, to your question that I do think the roles were different in the Olympics for some of Seattle's players versus Phoenix. Um, Diana, first of all, had a lot of time off leading into the Olympics, right? So she was injured Mm -hmm. and therefore, I mean, that's not the kind of rest she would want, but she got rest. Um, Sky Diggins-Smith didn't really play in in, an integral role like Sue did, Mm -hmm. like Dewey did, like Jewel did. Those were three starters. So I do think there's some difference there. And then just how people recover overall, I think is... You know, it's kind of an individual thing in some ways. Um, I think playing style definitely also plays a part in that. But, you know, I, I, I just think that defense is never a word that we've talked about when it comes to the Mercury, Cindy. <laughs> like, you making that point, just listening to you. I'm like, I think about the number of seasons that we've come in saying, oh, boy, like Phoenix has got all the points you could ask. But can they mm-hmm. can they get stops? Right. Yeah, And with the improvement of Skylar Diggins-Smith defense and Kia Nurse, though she has had just 
not even close to, I'm sure, the season she's wanted to have on the offensive end, you know, is is can give you something on the defensive end. Shea Petty is an outstanding defender. You know, Sophie Cunningham's toughness mm-hmm. on that end of the floor definitely stands out. And then again, you know, Brianna Turner is really the linchpin in all of it on the defensive end. I think that to me is what excites me the most about the Mercury because it's a, it's an aspect of their team that we have not seen. The question is, Cindy, when I think of favorites in this league, I think Connecticut and I think Vegas. Mm-hmm. And as we look back at this winning streak by Phoenix, and you correct me if I'm wrong, they beat Vegas at Vegas, or did they just, I was trying to think, I remember they were in a close game with them. Did they end up beating them at Vegas? I'm going to pull that up right now, actually, to see. But can they consistently, I guess, when you think about a series in the playoffs, can Phoenix win a series against the top teams, which right now are Connecticut and Las Vegas? I think they can because they're going to lead into what has gotten them through this white-hot seven-game win streak. Not only are they hitting their shots and finding them in rhythm on the offensive end, that is buoying their defense. Mm-hmm. Like Skylar Diggins-Smith takes personal umbrage. If Allie Quigley hits a three, the next time down the floor, Skylar's going to get her three and then make sure it's very uncomfortable to live on the offensive line for a player like Quigley. Uh, so I just think there's this extra chip on their shoulder. Why not us? Why is everybody looking past us? All we're doing is winning. They're taking advantage of a weaker second half schedule and they're getting those W's. I mean, you've got a couple of games against Indiana coming up. They play better, but definitely there is a chasm between the talent level on Phoenix and on Indiana, and I have already circled that date on September 11th when Connecticut comes to Phoenix because I think that has the incredible potential to be a WNBA Finals preview. Wow. You heard it from Cindy Brunson. Yeah, <laughs> those are two days when you look at what they have coming in. They actually did beat Vegas um, on July 7th. So, mm-hmm. but when you look at the stretch they've been on, they beat Vegas. Uh, they beat, well, actually that was before the winning streak. So they did, mm-hmm. before, right before the break, they beat Vegas, they beat Seattle. Um, but in this seven game stretch, they beat the Dream, they beat Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they beat a, a Mystics team that hasn't quite gotten their footing. They beat Atlanta again, and then they beat the Liberty twice. So I think the Chicago win was definitely one where people are like, okay, maybe Phoenix is the real deal. But yeah. September 11th and September 19th, where they have both the Sun and the Aces in town, um, will be the big games to watch. Cindy, you are on top of this. We appreciate your insight. And, um, hey, we may see you in the finals down there. <laughs> if all I would love it. Look, go. yeah, look, there's only three weeks left in the regular season before the playoffs start. And what I love about this Phoenix team is they're not only shooting the basketball well, which had to be critical. Diana Taurasi had to get healthy and shoot the three. She hit five threes against Chicago. She's back. 
that's not a problem. But other people had to contribute. Kia Nursa, she has taken her name off the milk carton. She exists now. She's no longer MIA. And then Shea Petty jumps off the bench and gives you three triples. So it's the outside shooting that opens up the middle, creates space for Turner and Griner. Just like everybody else in the league, the bench is short. It's the horses at the top that have to get it done. But I really like this Phoenix team and the way it's come together. And that is what Sandy Brondello has said all season long. We've got three-point shooters. When we start hitting them, we will be dangerous. And that has 100% been a big factor in what we've seen. It, it's been the X factor. Look at that. Ha <laughs> ha. Yes. All right, yes. And that's what they named their fan base, the X Factor. Yes, yes, that worked out well. I never, I'm never that cool to make things like that work. All right, Cindy, we appreciate (laughs) your time. Thank you for joining the show. And just thank you for being who you have been to the sport, to the game of women's basketball. We can only hope to see more of you, um, you know, in both the WNBA and college women's basketball. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Can't wait to see how the rest of the season unfolds. All right, Around the Room fans, thank you so much to Cindy Brunson, as always, for providing great content and insight into what's happening with the Phoenix Mercury. We will continue with our weekly podcast. We hope that you are listening wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple, that's the ESPN app. Yeah, just search Around the Room and subscribe, leave your comments, leave your thoughts. Thank you so much for all the kind thoughts that you've been leaving um, and the ratings, just however you feel. Um, we will take anything um, as far as your feedback. Uh, Tarika and I really value the support of the fans. And um, yeah, we're going to keep doing what we do. So hit us at Around the Rim Pod on Twitter. And um, you can email us as well at aroundtherimpodcast at gmail.com. I am at LaChina Robinson. Tarika is at she knows sports underscore. And until next week, anything else, T? What did I forget? Yes, I, I have updated. I have upgraded. What you what do you what is up, updated, upgraded? What happened? Yes, yes. Twitter has decided to love me and have removed the underscore from my name. So oh, I am just yeah. she knows sports now. Look at me. I'm growing up with China. I'm growing Look up. Look at you. That is awesome. Yes. Let's my do fans, it. Check us out. <laughs> She knows sports. I had to pull this up just to look at it. Yep, you absolutely are. And of course, you're already verified and you're getting followed by Sue Bird and all these other people. So we can't really control your ego anymore. Okay, fans, that's over it. it. (laughs) So you can find Tarika at She Knows Sports. It's official. And she's at 9151 followers. She's almost at at 10,000. So I know I'm so proud of you. You are an entire icon now. Can I get your autograph? Um, That's it. End of the podcast. Goodbye. Love you, everyone. Thank you so much. Keep following the WNBA. Whoop, whoop.